Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Hope born out of tragedy. When we encounter difficult life situations, it's natural and necessary to grieve our losses. Dr. Kenneth Hawk, a pastor and a clinical psychologist who founded the Laity Pastoral Care Training Program known as Stephen Ministry, noted that feelings need to be acknowledged even if they aren't desirable. Ignoring our true feelings causes emotional problems to fester later in life because we need to work through them eventually at some point. For example, if we encounter a loss in our lives, we need to take time to process that loss. Whether it's the loss of a loved one or a job or a friendship, it's important to acknowledge our feelings and reflect on our situation. One of the best gifts we can offer someone else going through such a difficult time is our presence and an acknowledgement of the pain that our friend is going through. This lets that person know that they are not alone and their feelings are valid. By giving them permission to honestly express how they feel, they're able to work through the stages of grief that each of loss and each of us need to go through. So rather than offering platitudes like, don't worry, you'll be fine in time, or I'm sure there's, they're in a better place now, it may be more helpful to simply listen to them and let them know that you understand how they're feeling as much as you honestly can. This gift of presence is such in such a difficult time is invaluable. It's in our passage from the Gospel of Luke this morning that we see Jesus offer such a gift to two of his disciples. It was the third day after Jesus' crucifixion, and the men were making their way back to their home village, Emmaus. And as they were walking along the road, Jesus himself appeared and asked them what they were talking about. Incredulous that he wasn't aware of what had just transpired in Jerusalem, they recounted the events that took place in the last few days. Their teacher, who they had hoped would un usher in a new era of peace and justice and prosperity for the Jews, had been publicly executed, clearly with the intention of intimidating anyone else who might dare to challenge the status quo. We don't know how much these disciples were around for Jesus, but we can tell you that they believed in him, perhaps following him for many miles and listening to his teaching and soaking up his loving compassion. But all of that was gone in this moment. Jesus was dead, as far as they knew. The Romans were still in power, and the Jewish leadership had turned against him by conspiring with the Roman authorities to crucify him. They crucified the anointed man whom they thought was the anointed man, the Messiah. This was perhaps a cathartic moment for them in their journey, as they had the chance to share with someone that they thought was a stranger the events 
that were really troubling them. They used this moment to think about just what exactly bothered them and how terrible the last few days had been. And then, to add insults to injury, they were told that Jesus' body was missing. Some of the women went to the tomb that morning and found the rock rolled away from the tomb and the body was gone. Surely, this stranger walking with them could sympathize with their misery. But this is where the journey takes its first turn. Rather than reflecting the feelings of these, these poor men, as the Stephen Ministry program would probably tell you to do, Jesus confronted them. Of course, Jesus knew all too well what had transpired. But his interpretation of those events and what it means or what was happening was more of a time to celebrate than to grieve. He replied in a way that almost sounded like a challenge, saying, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Jesus had completed the suffering and was now being glorified. But the two men walking with him toward Emmaus had no idea what was really going on. So Jesus explained to them why he had to endure the crucifixion and resurrection, starting with Moses and all the prophets. And as the day was drawing to a close and they were approaching their, their destination, they invited Jesus to stop in with them. As much as Jesus had challenged them, he apparently did it in a way that didn't alienate them. He acted as though he was going to continue down the road, but they strongly urged him to stop at their home and stay the night with them. They thought it was unreasonable for someone to travel late at night on the highways. So Jesus obliged and went to their home. This is where the journey takes another turn. When it came time to eat, he took the bread, blessed it, broke the bread, and gave it to the disciples. Sound familiar? Suddenly they recognized him, realizing that they had been speaking with the risen Jesus the whole time. Now their sadness had completely flipped to joy and excitement as they realized that they had really not lost Jesus at all. They had gained a new understanding of who he was and is. So filled with excitement, they rushed back to Jerusalem that night, ignoring their own advice not to travel the highways after dark. And when they reached the home of where the other disciples were staying, they were told that Jesus had appeared to Peter earlier in the day, and they shared the story of their encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Now, I suppose that we all have some kind of Emmaus that we go to in this world, when the world is too much, when nothing seems to be going right and nobody seems to understand how bad things really are, we find some place that we have to retreat to, a place where we can get away from everything and regroup. This could be a physical place or it could be a mindset or an attitude. It might be an isolated, peaceful place in the wilderness or on the water. Or it can be a retreat in a personal isolation from friends and family. Or it can be a retreat 
toward excessive drinking or recreational drugs. Wherever your personal Emmaus may be, as you journey there to deal with your pains, I invite you to be mindful of the strangers that you may encounter on your journey. Acknowledge your feelings. They're neither right nor wrong. They are what they are. But also remember, there is a risen Christ that you just might encounter on that journey. Christ is compassionate and humble, easing our pain. But Christ can also confront us and challenge us to look at the world differently. And it's through facing these challenges that we can recognize Christ among us. Open our eyes to new ways of seeing the divine and receive new hope. In the passage we read from the book of Acts this morning, we hear how the Jews in Jerusalem were cut to the heart when they realized that they had participated in the crucifixion of the Messiah. Peter had explained to them that Jesus, whom they had demanded to be crucified just a few days earlier, was actually the Son of God, who had been raised from the dead by God. No doubt they had feelings of guilt and sadness and perhaps even fear. And they didn't know what to do. When they asked Peter for advice, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. This is the message of hope meant for those who were carried out, who had carried out or facilitated the execution of Jesus. This was shared by Peter himself. It was Christ's message of grace and salvation which Jesus had spread throughout the region when he had walked the earth, but it was delivered by Peter this time rather than Jesus directly. Yes, sometimes Christ speaks to us and sometimes Christ speaks through us. The hope offered to those who had sought to destroy him was that they were given an opportunity to make amends with Jesus and with God through repentance and baptism. They were so excited to take this opportunity to seek forgiveness that about 3,000 of those people became part of the church that day. Peter pointed out that this offer of baptism and repentance is a gift made available to all the children of future generations and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord calls. Today, many generations later, and on the opposite side of the earth, we are blessed this morning to participate in one of those baptisms. I now invite... Manuel, Diane, and Fabian to come forward for Fabian's baptism. 